I wish you all a very blessed and happy Easter in the risen Christ. This is the event that makes all the difference and that defines everything. After the days of Lent, which have been an especially dark time for us and for the world, we have the light and the joy and the energy that comes from the promise of the new life that Jesus our Saviour brings. It doesn't mean an end to suffering, hardship and misery, but it does give it a different meaning and above all hope. Hope that what God has promised has come about. In a word, the resurrection is the gospel. It is the good news. That's why in the beginning they didn't talk about the teachings or the miracles of Jesus. They spoke about Jesus risen from the dead. That's what we preach year in and year out in every generation. And on this Easter above all, we do so with great intensity and greater conviction. What the resurrection is, according to the gospel and the Christian faith, is that when the holy women and the apostles go to the tomb and find it empty, it wasn't that someone had broken in, but someone had broken out. They enter the tomb and they see a young man in white who tells them that Jesus is not here, that he's been raised up. The women are terrified and so shaken out of their wits that they found it difficult to speak. It wasn't wistful nostalgia because they knew and believed that in the tomb the laws of nature had been reversed. Here God was doing something entirely new. Now the most basic fact of our life is death. It determines us in so many ways. These women see that through the power of God even that great fact has been undone. The resurrection of Jesus means that he comes back bodily from the dead, as he himself had foretold he would do. Not like Lazarus, who's raised only to live, to die again. Jesus comes back from the dead in such a way that death itself is conquered. Christ our Lord came on earth to fight everything that God hates, all those things that prevent us from being fully alive. And this includes disease, sickness, and death itself. He entered into the dysfunction of the world and fought it, even this sickness and disease that so hampers us now. The final enemy, the greatest power, is death itself. This is the final enemy that he fights and overcomes. This is what Easter is, the final victory over the enemy that is death, so that we can no longer be afraid of it and be restricted by it. The altar outside of the church in our memorial garden has the figure of Jesus standing over the graves of those buried there. And beneath, on the front of the altar, those abbreviated Greek inscription, Jesus Christus Nica, Jesus Christ Victorious. This is why Easter Sunday is the real victory day. No one is prepared to give their lives for a mere memory or a myth or some speculation. But people do give their lives for a truth, for a real person. And that is what has been happening for over 20 centuries since the resurrection. Many people throughout the church have been preparing for initiation into the life of Christ's body, the church, in the Easter sacraments at this time. Let's remember them especially, and those in our own parish, 
who now have to wait until more felicitous times when we can make this happen. But wherever and whenever this will happen, we can invite Jesus again into our lives through faith at this time, through a spiritual communion, through a deeper love of family and neighbour. We pray that the resurrection of our Saviour may be for us a source of hope, encouragement and a new beginning. And thank God we can believe this. And all those that we pray for at this time, that they will persevere in what is promised to us. Let's ask Our Lady, who may have been the first to see Jesus risen from the dead, to pray for us in those loving words that we say in this season. O Queen of Heaven, rejoice. Alleluia. For he whom you did merit to bear, Alleluia, has risen, as he said, Alleluia. Pray for us to God. Alleluia. It is the Mass that makes us desire to belong only to Christ, and so that we may take up with gratitude the sentiment of the psalmist, How can I repay the Lord for his goodness to me? Indeed, how can we give thanks to the Lord for the life that he has given us? The answer to the psalmist's question is found in the psalm itself, since the word of God responds graciously to its own questions. How else could we render thanks to the Lord for all his goodness to us, if not by attending to his own words? I will raise the chalice of salvation. I will call on the name of the Lord. One of my favourite prayers is the request that the liturgy puts on our lips, the priest's lips, before communion. Lord Jesus Christ, through your death, you gave life to the world. Keep me always faithful to your commandments and never let me be parted from you. Let us ask that we never fall away from communion with his body, the church, with Christ himself that we do not fall away from the Eucharistic mystery in these days. Let's ask that he will never let our hearts grow hard and cold. So we turn to Mary, Mother of the Church, to ask her to keep us all in faithful service to her Son and bring us all back safely again to the Eucharistic banquet, which is celebrated here tonight and will be celebrated every day until we can, once again, all gather as his family. Let us pray. O God, who have called us to participate in this most sacred supper, in which your only begotten Son, when about to hand himself over to death, entrusted to the Church a sacrifice new for all eternity, the banquet of his love. Grant, we pray, that we may draw from so great a mystery the fullness of charity and of life, Through Christ our Lord. Amen.